0: Hey everyone, Ty Brown here with episode two of the Ty Brown Show. This episode's been titled Silverback Gorillas, Killer Bees, and a Scandalous Butt Dial. The theme of today's show is to explore why simply knowing the techniques and the science and theories and skills of dispute resolution is simply not enough to succeed in difficult conversations. The key is mindset. We're also going to have our first ever segment of Stop Hitting Yourself. This is going to be our weekly segment where we analyze a real-life dispute, and this week's is a good one. It was an accidental butt dial uh, that I got to listen into and overheard a little marital squabble. Should be fun. I hope you're excited. We're diving in in three, two, one. Podcasting from conciliators, this is the Ty Brown Show. If you're a human and you think you might have to interact with other humans at some point and you'd like that to go well, then listen up. Oh, yeah. It's time to get cozy with conflict. Let's go. All right, everybody. So the goal of this show, for those of you who are listening for the first time, is really simple. Uh, It is to bring the benefits of alternative dispute resolution to the masses. Right now, ADR is reserved pretty much exclusively for people who are in lawsuits. Uh, Formal complaints have been filed with a court of law, and a judge has ordered the parties to work things out. Um, I've been a practitioner of alternative dispute resolution for many years and have been unsatisfied with the... Uh, the current approach of limiting the benefits of ADR to litigants. So here we are. We are launching the Dispute Resolution Revolution. And this podcast is designed to help you in your life, help you find issues in your life, conversations to have, relationships that need attention, and to give you uh, the power to improve them and to to un to unleash you from the burden of, of these, I guess, social ailments, these things that weigh on us, that keep us occupied, that make us lie awake at night worried. Um, we want to resolve actual conflicts and bring, revolu- or, sorry, bring resolution to your life. That's the goal of this podcast. I want to be your personal conciliator and uh, would love to hear your stories, too. You can email me any of your stories at um, at our show's email address, which is stories at thetiebrownshow.com. I thought it would be good, since we're just launching, to share some stats from the show so that everyone can see how we're doing on our dispute resolution revolution, right? We got to know what our reach is and if uh, if people are are hearing this and um, hopefully resolving conflicts in their life. So, um there was an accidental launch. Yes, this podcast, at least the last episode, the introduction accidentally got published to the internet. It's not, it was not available on uh, Google Play or iTunes or any of the big platforms. Um, but it did leak out. And I don't even really know how I, I put it on the website, the show's website. Somehow it links to the conciliator's Facebook page, which is still a mystery to me, and um, yeah, social media just kind of pooped this thing in. Little little introduction, little teaser, snuck right out, and um, so rather than reporting zero downloads because of the accidental slip, uh, we had 20 downloads on I think I think it came out like Thursday night or something. Um, so anyway, I'd say we're well on our way uh, without even formally launching. We've got some downloads. So um, anyway. Hopefully next time it'll be a lot more than that, but um, I'm I'm pleased. So, let's dive in. This show is going to start with a confession, something personal. I hope you won't judge me too harshly for it, but it's this. Sometimes, I'm actually really, I'm really bad at difficult conversations. Sometimes. Uh, I how I mean how is this even possible? Right? Like I've I've devoted my professional life and my academic study to dispute resolution, and and why why is it that sometimes everything I've learned just seems to f- evaporate into thin air and leave me, <laughs> and I find myself you know just imploding. I'm like the Hulk and uh, he comes out and starts smashing things and I'm making all the worst errors, the cardinal sins of human interaction. How, how does that happen, right? It doesn't happen a lot, but sometimes someone will just get under my skin and like I stop caring. In fact, I almost want, I almost want the fight, right? Um, how come that happens and, uh, and why? Well, there is a reason. There's a reason we sometimes really suck in conversations and in relationships the reason is the silverback gorilla slash killer Bee principle i hope your curiosity has piqued. we're going to dive into these stories now and there is a lesson to these stories that i that i think you'll be able to pick up so the silverback gorilla story goes like this um, good friend of mine, professor of dispute resolution, uh, negotiation, and, and dispute systems design at BYU Law. His name's Ben Cook. He um, he goes to Africa regularly on dispute resolution projects, helping uh, basically helping courts, even tribal courts, improving their their conflict resolution and management practices. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a great guy, right? So he's, in, he's going to Africa all the time. He's always wanted to go and see the silverback gorillas. Now it's not easy to go see the silverback gorillas. There's only like one place in the world where you can find them, right? Middle of Africa. And um, there is a long wait list and they only allow you know v- select few visitors every year. But if you're lucky enough to get there, uh, it's pretty spectacular. You get, you know, they let you get, you know, way too close, way closer than anyone should ever actually get to a gorilla, but anyway, they let it happen. It's a pretty magical experience. Ben lucked in to uh, an opportunity to go after, after years of trying. And so he, uh, he shows up and they, they kind of give you this sort of tutorial before you go out and see the gorillas where they're basically preparing you uh, for the experience and trying to give you a little safety briefing so nobody gets killed. And um, I don't remember really all the details of, of what that tutorial included, except for there were a couple specific instructions that were relevant to Ben. They, they told all the guests, all the visitors, that they could take photos of the gorillas, but that they could not use any flashes on their camera. Um, they said, that, you know, there's a chance that a flash might trigger a charge, uh, especially with an aggressive male. So, whatever you do, make sure your flash is turned off. You know, to me, that seems like, a, you know, if I'm listening to this safety briefing, like, I'm taking uh, pretty good notes on this because, I mean, who wants to be the guy that forgets the flash, right? Jeez Louise, that, that seems like an important rule. So, um, anyway, everyone takes note. Um, the other rule that they got, also one also to remember, was this. If by chance a gorilla charges, you are to stand your ground. Don't run. <laughs> so, yeah, that um, that's, the, that's the second rule. Don't run away from a charging gorilla. Okay. The caution given was uh, if you do run away from a charging gorilla, they'll catch you and they'll tear you limb from limb and feed you to their babies or not. Maybe they'll eat you themselves. I don't know. So anyway, those were the rules. Ben goes out. They're out there having a good time. Uh, they, find, they find the gorillas. Um, they're having this incredible experience. I mean, these massive silverback gorillas up close and personal uh, in, their, in their natural habitat, just, you know, once in a lifetime, not, not even once in a lifetime experience. And um, Ben's standing there next to this dude, and they're taking pictures of the alpha male the the muscle monster, right? I, I don't even know, I don't even know the feeling you'd have being so close to a beast like this. And this Dutch guy next to it, actually don't remember if he's Dutch. In fact, there are probably several details of this story that I'm slaughtering because it's been years since I've heard Ben tell it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and just kind of fill in those details my best, Ben. Uh, and, and if it makes the story a little better, you know, that's that's fine too. So uh, anyway. So, the Dutch guy, right? I think the story's better if he's Dutch. He, he's taking pictures right next to Ben. They're right next to this giant gorilla, and um, they're kind of getting the settings just right for the optimal photo. Probably like 20 feet from this big gorilla. And uh, the Dutch guy, you know, looks at his camera a little bit, pushes a couple buttons, takes another picture, and pfft, the flash. The flash goes. What? How? The flash goes. Ben looks at the guy, the guy looks at Ben, and they're like, oh no. They look up at the gorilla and the gorilla is facing them. And the gorilla starts charging. The alpha male coming for him in the jungle. So these two guys, they start tearing through the jungle, right? Flying through the bush, jumping over tree logs, you name it. I mean, running for their lives. <laughs> so much for stand your ground, right? Uh, but, but who can blame them, right? Would you stand your ground? I don't know. Well, anyway, they, they didn't get torn limb from limb. Um, and, and honestly, I, do, I don't actually remember exactly how they escaped. But I want to say that there was a guide who intervened, um, cut off the path of the gorilla, stood the ground, and, and everyone, everyone lived to, to tell the tale. So, that's the Silverback Gorilla story. You'll notice the theme here is, despite knowing the principles, despite knowing the rules, including the Stand Your Ground rule, they weren't followed. And it wasn't by accident. It was a conscious choice to run from the gorilla. You know, the the mind may have been saying, Stand your ground, stand your ground. But the heart was, I mean, there was a physiological response that that basically prevented these guys from being able to stand still. And, And they went running. So that's, the, that's the, the Silverback Gorilla Principle. Same principle illustrated by a different story. Equally entertaining, I think. This is the killer bee story. Now, this story isn't actually about killer bees. It's about those little, well, not little, those big black wasps. Um, I don't know if you've seen those, but they're, they're scary, right? Yikes. I was a teenager wanting to make some money, and so I got with one of my entrepreneurial friends, Eric, And he and I thought we would go on a hornet's nest eradication spree for the neighborhood, for the good of the the neighbors, right, Uh, and hope to make a few bucks on the way. And our first client, and really the the reason we thought to do this, was at Eric's own house. They had this tall tree with a giant hornet's nest in it. The, The nest itself was probably 10 inches to maybe a foot tall. And it just hung from the tree, uh, one of those perfect ellipses. Uh, horn- anyway, it's just just an incredible, incredibly huge hornet's nest. And uh, every time we would play outside, these things would pester us. So uh, his dad said, "Yeah, yeah, get that down. I'll pay you." And so we were like, "Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do it right." So we uh, we got on on online and started looking into any safety tidbits we might need to know, and. Um, Found some U.S. agricultural, you know, government-sanctioned website that talked about um, basically safety practices when you're dealing with bees and wasps and stuff. And one of the one of the important safety guidelines was that if you are being uh, chased by a swarm and you start to get stung, it said don't swat at them. Don't swat, just run. So we thought, okay, that seems like something important. Let's remember that. Don't swat. Um, it, interestingly, the science that, you know, this website went on to elaborate on was that as you swat these little insects, uh, if you kill them, it will, they will let out some sort of chemical or, or some sort of something that, um, that the other hornets or bees will react to. Uh, it, like I'm not an expert on this stuff. This is like just my memory from, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. Anyway, it gets worse, right? It, the more you swat, the more you kill, the more aggressive the swarm will get. So don't do that. Just run and try not to swat. Okay, so we knew the rules. We go out there and we start trying to get this nest down using all kinds of different techniques, and nothing's working. It's incredibly sturdy. Um, And there are three of us me eric and another friend Uh, finally someone just drills the thing with a baseball just right in the center and it it comes off the branch falls 25 feet lands on the sidewalk and just bursts open right The, the hive just splits into hornets pouring out black swarm just raises like this loud angry cloud so the three of us dart in different directions, and the swarm chases Eric. Right? He drew the short straw, and he is just running just tearing down the street, and the swarm is following him. And uh, I, I end up diving in a bush, and I'm not really watching. A couple minutes later, Eric is still yelling, and this time he's running back towards us, and um, and he's just screaming in pain. <laughs> I'm looking up at him and he's he's slapping his legs and his his under his shirt. And he's just I mean, he's just obviously getting stung repeatedly and um, so much for the no swatting. Uh, I mean, he is killing every bee he can and they are under his clothes and he's getting stung right and left. Uh, But the swarm has pretty much left him. I, I don't know. I don't know how that happened, but but there weren't, you know, there weren't the hundreds, hundreds of hornets chasing him like there were before by the time he got back to us. Um, so he, he pulls off his shirt and a couple hornets fly away and, um, he starts, he's still swatting on his legs. Eventually just decides, you know what? I don't care. I, I'm, I'm pulling down these shorts and getting these hornets out. So he, he drops his shorts. He's standing there in the middle of, in the middle of siesta drive, a uh, little neighborhood street in his blue plaid boxers and um but unfortunately for eric that that wasn't quite good enough the stings continued for the bees were not just in his shorts they were under his boxers and uh, he's still yelling and screaming and and i i find myself yelling out and i i can't help but i i i'm trying not to laugh at this scene um but I, I'm yelling out to Eric. I said, Eric, just drop it all. Just drop it all. And so there he was, you know, a 15-year-old in all his glory, drops, drops the boxer in the middle of the street, and uh, the last black wasp goes flying away, kind of giggling as it goes, right? Uh, I think satisfied with the embarrassment it had inflicted on this young man. And um, anyway, Eric, he ended up with uh, many dozens of stings. I, I don't remember the exact count, but it was many dozens of stings. And um, needless to say, we, we proved through experiment that it is true that if you swat at them, it makes things worse. So those are the stories. What is, what is the lesson? What's, what's to be learned from the Silverback Gorilla Killer Bee principle? Well, it's this. You can learn a lot of practical things, things that are true, things that are scientifically proven. And through this podcast, you're going to learn a lot of practical skills and a lot of tools that work, things that will improve your social health, things that will make it easier for you to disagree. You will disagree better if you listen to this. It will help you manage conflict in your life, right? All of these things are going to happen. All these principles will be taught. But knowing them is not enough. You have to be able to apply them in the heat of the moment. You know, when the gorillas are charging, when the bees are stinging. Now, that's the challenge, right? I go and I I present at leadership summits or business conferences, and we'll talk all about these principles. And people are jazzed. They're excited. They are ready to change. They are ready to uh, they are ready to take the next step in their, in their conversations, in their conflict management, in their management approaches, uh, all these things. But a lot of times I find myself skeptical as to whether it's actually going to stick. And the reason is I know how hard it is to stand your ground when the gorillas start charging. It's the same response when you're in a really heated conversation. Um, can you keep focused. Can you keep the right mindset? So the key to standing your ground when the gorilla charges is mindset. And, and that is the price to pay if you want to be able to apply any of the tools or skills that you learn about here. It is mindset. So basically the tools will be wasted unless you first master mindset. You're probably wondering, what is the mindset I need? What does it even mean to master mindset and how do you get it, right? All of those things are the questions you should be asking. Um, And the truth is, it's it's actually pretty, it's a pretty genuine challenge. It takes a lot of practice, but here it is. This is what you need. The mindset you need to succeed in conversations, to, to improve your social health, is a mindset of humble curiosity. You'll. You have to learn to approach every person and every conversation with humble curiosity. You have to see the world through a little bit different lens, and if you are successful in doing this, it's amazingly rewarding. Um, you will see the world. You'll see the world in a in a different way. You'll feel you'll feel confident in pretty much any scenario, if you can adopt this mindset. There won't be those uncomfortable conversations that make your skin crawl if you can have this mindset. So what what is the, what is curiosity? What is humble curiosity? Um let's focus on the word curiosity a little bit. No matter how crazy someone sounds during a conversation, especially a difficult conversation where they, you just, I mean, it does not make sense what they're saying. You just completely disagree. You think they must be totally off their rocker, right? No matter how crazy they sound, their judgments, their conclusions, their opinions make sense to them. For some reason, your job is to find out why if you can find out why their opinions, judgments, and beliefs, or conclusions, or whatever it might be, their perspectives, if you can find out why those things make sense in their mind, you are, you are on the inside track of communication. You are on the inside track of teaching them, uh, of helping them to understand your side. And you're on the inside track of becoming incredibly persuasive. But if you can't first figure out why their position makes sense to them, you're not going to do a good job convincing them. It just becomes a war, a hand grenade message followed up by a hand grenade message. No one is learning. No one's really seeking to understand each other. It's just it's just a battle. But but you you are an expert. You don't you don't have you don't engage in the meaningless battle. Uh, you take on the learning conversation. You are curious. You want to know where is this coming from? Because you know that if you know where it's coming from, you you can then help shape their views, their beliefs, their opinion, their conclusion, their judgments. But that's the price to pay. You have to go in wanting to learn. The Learning Conversation is a principle that's outlined really well in a book called Difficult Conversations uh, by Bruce Patton and others with the Harvard Negotiation Project. Uh, I I'd strongly recommend it to anyone who's interested in, in diving in. Um, it's, it's a great read, and this Learning Conversations, they, they call it a learning stance, um, is, is really a fundamental guideline uh, to starting out any conversation. So anyway, I recommend that highly. Okay. So I'll also say this, if you are good at starting a learning conversation, it's very natural for them to want to learn about where your conclusions and judgments and perspectives and, and beliefs are coming from. If you show curiosity to their story, they will be curious about your story. And if you if you play your cards right, if you're careful about it, they might begin to resonate with your story and adopt it as their own. Um, and that's, that's, pers- that's persuasion at its best. Okay, diving into the word humble. Why humble curiosity? Why not? Why is curiosity on its own not enough? Well, the answer is because if you don't see the people as, as people, if instead, if you see them with contempt, meaning you're seeing them really as an obstacle to getting what you want, or you see them as uh, an object of blame, um, no, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You're gonna you're gonna come up short. Um, it's not enough just to be curious. You have to be humbly curious, meaning you have to see this person, no matter how crazy they might be. You have to see them as a person. You have to see them as as someone who, in many ways, is just like you. Someone who is is doing. Um, you know, who, who's, who's forming ideas and, and conclusions based on, based on their experience, based on what they know. And you have to give them that. You cannot look at people with disdain and expect to have a great conversation. It won't happen. You have to allow yourself to see them as a person. You can see them as a flawed person. That's fine. Um, but you have to see them as a person. Okay. I, I want to, I want to, I want to give you this challenge. Try and find somebody who, who, who you've got a little bit of a rub with. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a, maybe it's someone at work, right? And I want you to think of them as a person. Think about, you know, what do they care about? What matters to them, um, what do you think their what do you think their big fears are what are their big challenges Um, what are their hopes what what do you think they really want out of life think of them as a person with all of these kinds of human qualities right and then get curious try to try to think of uh, of how you might be able to learn more about their perception or their position have a conversation with them and just see where it goes. You know, maybe maybe even talk about whatever is sensitive between the two of you and just see where it goes, but try to be humble and curious. If you do those things, I can promise you this, if you can do this consistently with people, if you can see them this way and be genuinely curious about them, then your interactions with them will transform in a positive way. Um, they will they will see you with a lot of respect and you will become a powerful influence in their life. So I'd be interested in, in, in hearing your stories as you try to apply that that principle. Okay. So, that's enough for mindset for now. Uh, our next episode, we're gonna dive into a little more about mastering mindset and also about finding your triggers. You know what are the gorillas and the killer bees in your life? What are the things that make it almost impossible to stand your ground? Um, what are the things that are going to unnerve you when you're in a conversation? Knowing those triggers is, is critical to being able to succeed in difficult conversations because like I said, uh, even if you have these tools mastered, uh, if you start just charging through the jungle when it gets when it gets heated, um, you know, you might get torn limb from limb. So anyway, we're gonna we're gonna dive into that in our next ep- episode. But for now, we are diving in instead to our first ever segment of stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself is uh, is a segment where we're going to analyze some actual conflicts, uh, real life scenarios, and talk about, <laughs> Talk about how we have a tendency as humans to, to cause the very behaviors in others that annoy us, that bother us, you know, the, the things that really get under our skin. We have a tendency of, of actually proactively eliciting such things. So uh, every week we're going to do a stop hitting yourself, and I'm hoping with time you will realize that a lot of the troubled dialogues in your life could actually be prevented by you, even if it seems like it's all the other person's fault. You have more control over that than you might expect. So that's a hopeful thing, an optimistic thing, and um, here it goes. Um, There is a, well, there's a framework that's been out for a long time from a a really respected research institution called the Arbinger Institute. The Arbinger Institute has done dispute resolution work forever, right? They've been around for a long, long time. And they're, they're really a, a lot of the leading academics in dispute resolution work in Arbinger. Um, they've, they've diagrammed something that's really powerful. It's called the conflict collusion. And it's basically the same idea that when we're in an argument with other people, we tend to elicit the behaviors that we don't want from them. Now, if I'm honest, I've always kind of hated the, the term conflict collusion. Uh, to me, it's a little bit ambiguous and it kind of implies that it's purposeful when, when actually it's, it's really an accident that, that, that we're eliciting these responses. So instead of calling it a conflict collusion on this show, we're going to call it the Stop Hitting Yourself. Um, and you know, you all know where stop hitting yourself comes from, right? It's like the big brother grabs the little brother's arm, starts whacking his face with it or something. And he's like, Hey, stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. And it's it's so much fun for everyone. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm the little brother by the way. Um, so yeah, I, I, know that game. Okay. So this is it. The butt dial, the scandalous butt dial. So I get a phone call. I'm on my way into a funeral of all places, and I get a phone call from someone I don't talk to all that often. And um, I pick it up, and I'm like, hello, and there's no one there. I can kind of hear voices in the background, but, but it's, it's sort of muffled, and I'm like, oh, maybe I need to step out. So I step outside, and I'm just kind of listening in, and I'm trying to, trying to you know get them on the line there and, and talk. But it doesn't take too long before I realize – oh, this was, uh, this was an accidental call. And so I'm just about to hang up the phone when all of a sudden I, uh, I get so curious, right? Like I'm a conflict guy. I, uh, I'm a dispute resolution man. And I can hear in the background that, uh, that there is, there is a squabble afoot and I am so curious and I, I'm probably going to get arrested for this, but I, I listened in for a minute and, um, And this this is how it went. This is how it went. It's a married couple. And one of the spouses, we're going to call this spouse, the yeller was yelling at the other spouse. I mean, not like really yelling, just sort of, sort of raised voice. Not like, not like scary yelling, but anyway, it started with kind of a snappy request. Hey, can you do this thing for me? I'm trying to get ready. Can you do this thing? And, um, And there was no response from the other spouse. We're going to call that spouse, the the silent spouse, no response at all, nothing. And, uh, and then the request kind of comes again, but this time it's a, it's a little heavier handed, right? It's, uh, it's, it's more of a demand than a request. It's a, Hey, get up, do this. And then nothing, right? no response and then the other spouse the 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 yeller spouse in exasperation says oh oh this you got to be kidding me like what is what is your deal right you are you know I, i don't remember this but you are lazy or whatever i don't know you are all these things and the name stall the name calling kind of begins and like i said it wasn't overly aggressive it's not like i mean it wasn't like the kind of stuff that, that makes you really, really uncomfortable or anything like that. It was just uh, the name calling began and it, and it progressively got worse and worse. And the funny thing was, at no point did I hear a single word from the silent spouse. Nothing. so finally, you know, after after like 20 seconds of this or so, maybe 30 seconds of this, I finally just hang up uh, because I I got nervous that that I was uh, well, I was intruding and uh, that was, you know, good friends wouldn't wouldn't do that. Right. Um, So I I hung up, but I, uh, I couldn't help but kind of smile to myself afterwards because it was totally it was an excellent example of a stop hitting yourself. So let's diagram that. Point number 1 is this. <clears throat> you start you start to diagram, you start to analyze these scenarios by looking at you can pick either party. We're going to pick the silent the silent spouse and you look at their perception of the situation. So what was the silent spouse perceiving as the yeller spouse started started getting after him? Well, they were probably thinking, "Boy, this is this is pretty disrespectful." This is this is downright rude. This person is so demanding. This person's uncaring, right? All of these things, those are the silent spouse's perceptions. So how does the silent spouse react given what they are perceiving? Well, in this case, their reaction was no response. It was the cold shoulder. It was the silent treatment, right? There was no acknowledgement at all. It was kind of like a, I refuse to be talked to this way, and so I'm not going to engage in a conversation. Nope, not me. So, how then, the next step is to look at the other party's perception of that response. So, the response is nothing, right? That's the, I'm not even acknowledging your existence. That's the response. So how does the yeller spouse perceive that? well they see someone who's not listening not understanding not willing to think of anyone but themselves right that, that's the perception of the yeller spouse they have the perception of oh great they are ignoring me that's not good so you know what you know what the yeller spouse does because of that perception that they're being ignored and not listened to they turn up the heat, right? They raise the volume. They start trying to get any reaction by using name calling and and labeling, just trying to get something, right? Anything is better than nothing. Um, And so the more the yelling goes, the more demand, or I guess the the more aggressive the demands get, (laughs) that Increases and reinforces the perception of the silent spouse. They start thinking, "Wow, this person's so rude. They are so disrespectful, so uncaring, and so demanding." And so you know what? I, I'm now I'm really not going to say anything. I am digging in my heels, and this is going to be the most effective silent treatment there ever was. And then the yeller, the yeller spouse perception is like, "Oh, nothing works. This person just won't listen. I can't. I cannot believe this." You know what? I'm going to really take it to him now. And then this cycle just continues. And it's an escalating cycle that gets worse and worse and worse until finally someone just gives up and withdraws. Well, that is a stop hitting yourself. Because the reaction, the behavior of each party is just reinforcing the perception of the other spouse. And it's causing everyone to just... You know, they are bringing on, they are eliciting the very response that they are hating in that instance. So there is a way to fix this. It's really simple. You just have to step outside of the box a little bit. You have to say, you know what? We're moving on. i'm 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 changing the discourse because let's say you're the silent spouse on this one. You have to realize what's happening that your silent treatment is causing more and more aggressive attacks. And so you have to be big enough, you have to be selfless enough to step out of the box. It's a mindset thing. So you step out and you take on your humble curiosity and you say something. Instead of no response, you might say, "Look, you're right. I I'm I'm not I'm not showing you that I'm listening or that I care. And that's wrong. I'm sorry, but you can't talk to me like that. It hurts my feelings. Yeah. I mean, I, I am too emotional to, to endure such an attack. Um, makes, uh, makes me feel terrible. And, um, and really, I mean, maybe you could just, maybe you could just ask me a little nicer, right. Or, or maybe acknowledge that, you know, I've had a really hard day and I'm really tired and, and, um, I don't know, but basically do anything, but stop reinforcing that the other spouse needs to increase the volume, right? Now, if you're the yeller spouse, you can do the same thing. You can step out of the box, change, change the behavior, um, by, by again, adopting that same mindset where, you, where instead of yelling more, you say, look, I know you must be so tired. Uh, I really need your help. I've got to get ready in a hurry. And, um, and you know you're my number one. I, I'm, I'm wondering if I can call in a favor. Can you just can you grab this for me? It would it would mean a lot if you could. Uh, and and yeah, I know you're you're probably just totally burned out. And but you're the best, and I owe you one, right? Now that's a totally different conversation. Uh, or you can just tackle the beast right, you know, very uh, directly and say, you know, you're not listening. I can tell you're probably not listening because because I'm not talking to you the way I should, and I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be yelling and I shouldn't be name calling because you know what? You're actually, you're pretty great. Um, so I'm sorry for doing that. Please forgive me. Let's, let's move on here. Here's, here's the, what I actually need. I really do need your help. Can you please, right? I'm not going to talk to you that way. And I'm really sorry. You know, anyway, all of those things would have gotten them out of the cycle and, uh, and conflict resolved instantly. Just by giving up the the stop hitting yourself charade. So, I hope you enjoyed the stop hitting your stop hitting yourself segment. Um, that's the end of the show. I hope you had a good time and that you're prepared to implement a mindset uh, of humble curiosity. A couple things that you can do to further our joint efforts to. Uh, carry on the dispute resolution revolution are these Uh, one subscribe to the show Two: leave a review if you've liked if you liked it. Um, And three, uh, share it, especially if there are people like your spouse that need to hear it. Right. Um, And then also, you know, I welcome welcome any stories. I'd love to take a listener story, analyze it on the show, um, help you out. You can email any stories to me at um, stories at the tiebrownshow.com so I'll keep an eye out for those uh, it's been fun go face your gorillas until next time this is Ty Brown take care